welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking, together we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23452. As an internal coach here at Atlantic Bay, I think it's important for folks to know and understand who you are and what that role means to our folks internally and externally too. Yeah, I think that being able to provide coaching the way that we do here at Atlantic Bay, because it's unique in, in terms of not, not that we have internal coaching, but how we do the internal coaching that we do. Yeah, it's certainly valuable for, for folks that might be interested in coaching within the company, but also, you know, folks that might be considering a different culture, a different company where they don't have coaching. And they're like, well, this is a brand new concept to me. So tell me about, you know, tell me how that works. And so, you know, just a little bit about me and how I kind of got to where I'm at. So I've been in the business. I've been in the mortgage industry for 32 years. I was a street originator with a bank. They gave us an hour of training in a boardroom, pushed us out the door and said, go do FHA loans, which was a mistake. That's how I got into the business. And from there, moved around in some different capacities with two different banks, ran a training program, ran a training department for Wachovia Mortgage way back in the day. Moved to First Citizens Bank, was there for 12 years as head of production, a regional manager, produced as well there. And then you know, kind of found my way here to Atlantic Bay after a short stop with a community bank where I started a mortgage division. They got bought. They were, they were merged. I didn't want to be part of that. So here I am. So six years into Atlantic Bay, the one thing throughout my career that's always been valuable to me are the mentors that I've had. And they, they've all been strong coaches. Ron Butler, even this was even before I got in the business. I was still in college. He was the head of student affairs at NC State where I went to school, kind of took me under his wing, put me through some leadership training. I owe a lot to kind of my first mentor outside of my dad being Ron Butler at NC State. When we get to Wachovia, there's a guy named Walt Knoll, who was an industry veteran at the time, ran secondary for them, kind of got me into the business, you know, even more ingrained in all aspects of it, and then made my way around to some others other companies where I ran into just some bright, more experienced than me people that if you'll just take the time to get to know them and let them speak and let them share that there's just so much good stuff that comes out of that. But they were always good at asking questions too. And that's the key to coaching is to be curious. And so I've kind of always been that way, but I really learned it in a business context and in a growth context through some of these mentors who were very curious about drawing out of me where I wanted to go, goals I had, aspirations I had, and not just business-wise, but personally and about things that I enjoyed and th- what was important to me. Wow. I mean, it's like peeling back the layers. You know, you've got to get, especially when it comes to salespeople, and it's hard sure. to kind of unpack everything that they are about. And we all know we're very outgoing. Sometimes Some are, most are outgoing mm-hmm. and want to get to know you. So I guess, from a leadership standpoint and a coaching standpoint, you've been at the bank world for a while. You were with two different banks, you know, and then you came over to Atlantic Bay. If yeah. someone's sitting there and they're thinking, you know, I maybe I at a bank, I maybe I want to 
kind of move over and shift. And you you know recruitment too. So tell us a little bit about what that person might be thinking and how you would typically coach someone through that yeah. process. Yeah, the worlds are very different. It's kind of, you sort of would expect it to be that way. The bank side of our industry just has its extra layers of risk management, compliance. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't manage risk and we don't comply, but it just works differently than it does with a bank. What I tell people, whether in a coaching context or recruiting context, whatever, you know, my experience on the bank side has been that banks are trying to do multiple things. Banks try to do retail, business, commercial, insurance, investments, whatever. All the things. And mortgage. And they're trying to do it as best they can, but it's hard to do it all really well. And so in order to try to do it the best they can in all those areas, they layer up with risk, they layer up with compliance, they layer up with procedures that sometimes are beneficial, but sometimes aren't. When someone's on a, on the bank side of our industry, you really just have to explore the independent world. The independent mortgage banking world, as I found out when I came to Atlantic Bay, was a totally different world, not just procedurally and technically, but from a culture perspective, because you're just doing mortgage loans every day in and day out, the culture looks different. The focus is different. The drive is different because everybody's clearly on the same page. If you want to be successful, right. you don't have to, you're not changing books. The banks change books. They go from the retail book to the insurance book, to the investments book, to the mortgage book. And you got to change books, then get to the right page. So here it's just, it's so much more focused and you know the direction everyone is going is so much easier to see and to follow and to learn about. So I encourage bank folks, just explore it. There's no harm in talking. That's what Absolutely. I tell everyone, everyone that's I've ever brought to the company is there's no harm in talking. We're not obligating you. This is your decision. This is the most important, one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life is where you're going to work. So just explore it and ask questions and be curious. And then you make the decisions best for you. That's right. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about from a coaching standpoint. And what is one thing that's kept you passionate about coaching? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I'm a big follower and fan of John Maxwell, Dr. John Maxwell, an expert on leadership and personal growth. We really wrote the book on leadership, relationship building, attitude, equipping, mentoring. He's really, he's really has impacted a large number of people. And I started reading his stuff even while I was in college. I have read it and been to events, eventually came to the point where, because I've always felt that coaching is important and that, that the impact a coach can have on another person, whether it's an athletic coach, a business coach, a health coach, whatever kind of coach, wellness, whatever, that the impact that a good coach can have on somebody's life and somebody's growth is powerful. When they're, we've all a lot of us have played sports. We've had good coaches. We've had bad coaches. The good coaches are the ones that are always curious. They're always asking questions. They're always trying to challenge us in positive ways. But and then and but then they're always positive. They're always positive. They're always trying to bring out the best in the person they're coaching. Not that they won't be tough on them or challenge them, but they're doing it in positive ways. So I got to the point where I wanted to to grow as a coach. So about twelve years ago. I went through Maxwell Leadership's coaching program and I'm certified through them. I maintain my certification through them. And so I, I'm regularly learning and reading and studying and going to events to stay current in how to coach. 
And then, you know, here at Atlantic Bay, we have a great environment and a great culture to build on. So when I started at Atlantic Bay, one of the first things that I talked about was coaching and how could we at the right time implement that? I talked to Brian Mason initially, one of our owners and somebody I, I, who I really latched on to early. And the timing wasn't right. He was very receptive to it. He and Brian Holland talked about it. Timing became right when we decided, yeah, let's launch. Jeff had been doing some coaching already and as part of one of his roles. And it was the right time to come together and, and launch it. So, you know, we started uh, a little over two years ago, January 2020, not knowing that within a couple months, this is all we'd be doing. Right. Sitting here virtually talking to one another for years. But it works okay. It works okay in a coaching context because our footprint's big enough to where this is kind of the best way to do it. Right. A lot of coaching is done by phone, which isn't beneficial. I think you need this aspect of it. So to have this is, is we're very fortunate to be able to use teams like we do. But because Atlantic Bay just is a great environment, as our core values kind of drive us, it's a great environment for coaching. But as I know we've talked about and we want to cover a little bit more today, a large aspect of coaching is accountability. Creating an environment where someone wants to be held accountable. I always, when I say held accountable, I always hate to say held accountable. Right. Because we always had this like, we always had this image of accountability being done poorly right. to us. You know, whether it's in the past, we've, you know, we've probably all had that happen where, you know, a manager just, they, they weren't holding us accountable. They were just browbeating us. You know, they right. were just beating up on us and trying to push us in negative ways. And so we have this kind of negative connotation about accountability. So to change that perception, which I think we're doing, I think we do a great job of positive accountability. So, that, but that's a key part of, you know, the coaching relation that we're trying to establish here. So let's break down what self-accountability means. I mean, I had a former job years ago and my boss in my review told me he was kicking my tires. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that doesn't even, that just doesn't even sound nice. You know, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is zero just, positivity. So yeah. how do you kind of define self-accountability and then in turn measure that? Yeah. The whole concept of accountability, I think really starts with, it's built around the progression of how we think and then how our thoughts drive our actions and behaviors and which lead to the performance and the results that we want to ha- that we want to achieve and we talk so much the industry talks a whole lot and I don't fault it but the industry talks a lot about and they start their talks at the actions and behaviors and then they go from there to results and performance and all that good stuff but they miss the thinking piece they miss that part of the progression because it is a progression how what you think and how you think affects your result, affects your actions and behaviors, which affect your performance and your results. We're so quick to go to what to do. Here's here are ideas. Here's what you should do. Here's the newest thing. We don't stop and think about where are you right now from a thinking perspective? Where's your headspace? Where's your mindset around just life in general, everything else that's going on in your life, work specifically, and then being able to control that and what I call own your thinking and then let that, then let's talk about actions and behaviors. I think that's why a lot of people just don't get traction with business plans and goals and and strategies they want to put in place because they go so quickly to, here's how I'm going to do this. Here are the steps I got to follow. We don't just back up and think about, 
is that a good idea? Is your head in the right place to be able to execute on that? And I'm not saying let's get all mental and everything. Let's spend time off in this weird space, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to you know, kumbaya and all that fun stuff. I, there's a place for it, but I don't, you don't want to stay there. It's right. a progression. You got to do something at some point, right? Right. It's just um, understanding that element of it because if yeah, if yeah. you don't know exactly where they're at in their headspace to begin with, then you can't, yeah. there's not much more that happens after that. It's more or less just, okay, well, here are all the things, like you said, you can be doing, but will you? We'll never know until we cover the thinking piece. That's right. As a coach, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I have missed it before. I've been working with someone and we've gone straight into a strategy and the action steps that you need to follow and talk to them the next week and nothing's gotten done. And then I realized we didn't cover the thinking piece. We didn't talk about, is this the right time for you mentally to embrace this idea and to take on this strategy? Getting back to the accountability piece of that, it starts with owning our thinking. We can own our business plan and all that. We can own all the stuff we write in there, the rocks we create, the strategies and all the stuff we want to accomplish. But if we don't own our thinking, then the chances of long-term traction, I don't believe are there. And so trying to help at least you know, pull off to the side for a minute and think about that piece of it. My coaching sessions usually include a little bit of talk around mindset. And sometimes that just comes up from just asking them what's going on, asking them how things are at home, asking them about their family. I know that you get to know them so well that every week when I'm talking to them, I know what's going on in some cases. I know that somebody's child was sick, right, the week before or something like right. that. Because so we talk about those sorts of things. And as you build trust with someone that you're coaching, I mean, they open up about that kind of stuff. So, But it's important to listen to that, to be curious about it, to see how it's affecting them and in terms of focus. So own, it starts with owning our thinking and you know, I always tell everybody the best, purest form of accountability is self-accountability. That was one of the hardest ones too, ultimately. And yeah, it is. It is it's the hardest. I mean, we all struggle with it. We're all humans and that's okay. But to, you know, nobody's going to be able to come beside you and hold you accountable, help you along unless you're willing to let them. So accountability is built around the, the, the concept of choosing to own your thinking and your actions. And then wow. hopefully the results that come from that. But you have to choose to own. And if That's you powerful. don't, I mean, nobody else is going to get you there. They may help you, but you're not going to get the results you want. Right. So. A little piece of it is that measuring it, right? Like it's mm-hmm. hard to measure accountability. How would you say that you're helping to coach building the accountability piece? Yeah, gosh. There's a lot of it is mechanics. One of the concepts that I, I implement are what I call just accountability loops accountability loops, positive accountability structures, accountability loops, call it what you will, but I'm big on positive accountability structures. Okay. And there's something out there, the concept called Pearson's law from, I don't remember when actually, I probably should know that, but I don't, um, or I don't remember it because I know I've talked about it in the past to somebody. He was a British professor that came up with this concept called Pearson's law. It simply says that what gets measured gets done. A lot of us have heard that part. Mm -hmm. That's not Pearson's law. Pearson's law part is what gets measured and reported back gets done exponentially better. Okay. So yeah, you can measure something, you know, we can all measure our own performance and accomplish something, right? We'll get something done. When you add in that component 
of reporting what you've done back to someone else, that accountability source or that accountability structure, then you're going to get exponentially better results. Simply because one, that responsibility of bringing that information back to someone else who has agreed to invest in you, you know, who wants to receive that information from you for the purpose of helping you to continue to grow from it. So that structure is very healthy and it's very successful. Again, it it takes self-accountability for that person, one, to measure, and then two, to be willing to report back. So technology gives us the ability to do that. I use systems that help me provide someone with a scorecard that they can send weekly numbers around the number of meetings, the number of calls, the number of leads they receive, the number of referral partners they met with, whatever you're measuring. That's not as important, although there's a lot of important things to measure. But creating that scorecard then that that gives them that structure that says, okay, you need to be you need to be tracking this because the reporting piece is coming, and we do it automatically. But it creates that structure, that loop back, so then we can continue the conversation. We can talk about what they reported, and then we can recalibrate and review and tweak and improve the performance next time. Wow. I love, I mean, that's a great way to be able to measure and report back. And, you know, what is it, Gary V? that was documentation is everything. And so being able to just hold yourself accountable, knowing that someone else is waiting for your scorecard and you're trying to prove it to yourself too. I think one thing we didn't discuss and that is worthy of discussion, obviously someone has to want to invest into their business by going through this. What does that look like? Because some people, I feel like if you are in front of a hundred people and you ask them, how many of you guys feel like you deserve to be coached? They all raise their hand, right? But will they do it is the Mm -hmm. other side of it. And so tell me, how do you gauge that, if you will? Yeah, personally, I mean, just here at Atlantic Bay, the structure that we employ requires them to invest, okay? They're investing financially in coaching, which we, we feel is the best way to do it. There are companies that just provide it. You know, they provide it free to everyone. And that could be a productive. I, I really don't know whether it is or not. But to invest personally, and I mean, that that in, in and of itself is a great accountability loop, right. a great accountability structure, not just for them, but for me. That's a great accountability structure for me as their coach. Because if I can't help them, if I can't help them get a return on that investment, then I'm not doing my job and they should probably get rid of me. So that creates accountability to me. Mm-hmm. I'm accountable to them to help them grow to the point where that investment is minimal in terms of how they're growing, whether it's their volume, which is how they're paid, but more importantly, how they're growing as a person and as a mortgage bank. But past that practical financial investment, you know, week to week, because we do meet weekly with our folks, which I think is a key. That's a unique differentiator of our program here at Atlantic Bay, as opposed to others in the industry, whether internal or external is the frequency of what we do. You know, we may be the only ones that coach every week, but we think that's necessary for the traction and the pace of growth that we want to see happen. So when you meet week to week, you can tell who comes in prepared, who reports on time, what they're doing, who creates the loop, who completes the loop, right? Mm -hmm. By reporting back what they're doing, what they want to grow on, what they want to focus on, just whether they're in the conversation or not. Right. Fully paying attention, bringing value to the conversation. Another aspect of it is we talked about that fostering the mentality of support. So tell us a little bit more about that. At Atlantic Bay, the culture of support 
which we have phrased and we own that, I think. And I'm glad we do because we do. when I was back in my recruiting, put my recruiting hat on, we coined that several years ago because we started talking about all of this support that we're trying to bring to a mortgage banker who may choose to come and to come and work for us. But we started calling it a culture of support because there's so much that we try to provide them in order to make their job easier. We'll let them what I call stay in their lane. When they're able to stay in their lane on this multi-lane highway, when they're able to stay in their lane, which is what they enjoy doing, what they enjoy doing, what they're gifted to do, what they're most talented in, whatever that may be, then that support can come alongside them and just help them stay there. You know, whether it's our ops support, which should help them stay in their lane because they're not having to do all the operational tasks of a mortgage loan. They do their, they do what they're responsible for and they move on and let their team handle things. Whether it's our business development support that's strong, that's huge in terms of helping them gr- build out the ideas that they have in their local market. Whether it's the marketing support that we provide, the technology tools that we bring alongside of them for them to invest in and use. And then whether it's coaching. That, that we provide internally. And we keep, we, I mentioned the internal piece, internal works because we know where to go. If they've got a question, we know who to, who to go to get the answer. If we can't answer it the best, and there's frequently times where I'm not the best person. I can probably give them an answer, but I know who to go to to get a better answer, right? right? And I'm always going to do that. And I tell them that because I want to, one, I want to show off the, the culture of support the support that we provide as a company to them. I want to be able to show them that it's there. I want to learn in the process as well. I want to gain some new resources whenever I can, but it's an opportunity for me to partner them with the best resource within the company. Jason Potts is a great example of somebody when it comes to social media. I'm not the one to talk to you about social media. I mean, I learned learned that from my kids. I mean, I got (laughs) a 20 year old and a 16 year old and they're the ones that teach me about social media, Right. right? But Jason knows it, you know, so we implement that into their business plans. We want them to have a social media presence and he's the guy Mm -hmm. that we can partner them with. So it's all of that we try to bring to bear, you know, coaching from an internal perspective is key because you combine that with the weekly piece, right? You see really strong incremental growth. Well, and it's just very tailored and custom to the unique identification that is that person. You wouldn't prescribe someone to say, okay, you want to go on a vacation. You wouldn't send them to a city when they like the beach. Very tailored. And then being able to reach out as like, we always say it, like that white glove service. And it's true on both sides, I think. So it's true externally and internally. But from the coaching perspective, we've talked before about being compassionately direct. And I want to kind of hear more from you on that. Tell me Mm -hmm. kind of where that came about. Like, what does that mean to you and how are you implementing it? Yeah. So being compassionately direct, I was doing a team, a sales team meeting with a group last fall, I think. And we were talking about our core values. You know, our core values are, you know, we genuinely care, we inspire growth and we have fun. In the context of what we were talking about at the time, it like just hit me that I'm combining genuine care with inspiring growth. And this term of being compassionately direct with the people that we lead and support just kind of came to me. So I'm like, I'm going to run with that. So, because that, that sounds good. <laughs> so, compassionately direct. I can care about you at the same time and genuinely care about your growth and be compassionate 
through your situation while still giving you some pretty direct feedback or some direct guidance that maybe I think you need. And it's all built around the fact that if I didn't care, I wouldn't tell you. I say that to my kids a lot. I mean, right. if, if I didn't care, I wouldn't try to parent you, <laughs> you know, right. Right. because I care and I love you. I want to guide you. I want to try to, to, to give you guidance and input and wisdom and all that. Same concept here in different contexts, but, right. you know, because we care about the growth of each other and the, the best for each other, we're going to be compassionately direct with each other. And so when we say, when we disagree, you know, we will tell each other we disagree, right? But it all comes from the right place. And I think particularly when you're, when we're coaching folks, one, one it's, we try to set the stage for that, that I want them to, I want them to, to give me permission to be compassionately direct with them when I think I need to be, but that they have to give permission for that. That's part of a, a healthy coaching relationship is they have to give me permission to do that. You know, it's understood by their direct managers, but I'm not any, I'm not any of their direct managers, right? Mm-hmm. So got to give me permission. But when you combine that with kind of what I've always defined as coaching kind of in its simplest form is I'm just trying to come alongside someone and help them accomplish what they want to accomplish a little more efficiently and quicker than maybe they could on their own. That's really kind of what a coach does is we just try to guide them. We try to watch them. We observe them. We see what they're doing. We check their results. We have our feedback loops, our accountability loops and structures, and we just try to guide them based on all that information and what we know about them as a person. So yeah, I try to be compassionately direct. Now, sometimes I'm more compassionate and less direct. Right. The message changes, I'm sure. It it does. It does. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a a healthy blend of the two. I tend, this is a fault of mine. I I have to be aware of it. And and I have, my coach is always reminding me about it. I have a coach through Maxwell Leadership who I meet with uh, frequently. And he'll always ask me, he's like, are you, because I've mentioned this whole concept to him. He'll he'll say, are you being too compassionate? Because that's my default is I'll be too compassionate. So I might be too easy. He's like, I know you don't want to be, you don't be hard on them and all that, but don't, go soft completely either. Right. So it's that that happy medium. Yeah. Give and pull. I mean, give and take. There's some things that, and you you gauge the situation. It's not like, again, it's not a one size fits all, right? So every scenario is going to be different. Every person is going to be different. Each qualm is going to be different. So how you relay your message, I'm sure just you you feel it out. So before we wrap up and, you know, I'd love for you to lend for kind of like we know when we're, we move toward what to do in this market, mm-hmm. right? We know what we're moving to do, but not really the how to do it. So mm-hmm. can you kind of elaborate to us on what you think that, how do you interpret that question? I think that one, a few things. I was meeting with the sales team yesterday. We, I, I took them through some exercises around the whole progression of thinking, thinking, actions, results. And one of the things around making sure that you don't just move straight into doing something is to, one thing is to always, you know, connect with your, you know, some people call it your why. Your, I tend to try to bring out purpose in folks. It's kind of twofold. You know, I think we all have a professional purpose and then a personal purpose. Mm-hmm. And so professionally, I try to get folks to answer the question of what do you want your referral partners, your clients, your circles of influence, what what do you want them to say about how you do your business, about what kind of business professional you are? What would you want them to say about that? Check your reviews, get client reviews and read them, the good ones, right? The good ones. But read those because they're saying what you want people to say, right? About how you do your work. But answer that question. That's kind of your professional purpose. 
I want people to say this about me and how I work. And then the personal side of it is as a result of that first question of them, of me defining what I want them to say about how I do my work, what does that allow me to be, to do, and to have in life? So, and you put those two together in a purpose statement, okay? So my purpose statement is, as a coach, I want to come alongside folks that want to be coached and help them grow and accomplish what they want to accomplish and the things they want to grow in more efficiently and faster than they could on their own. Kind of goes back to my definition of coaching, but that's my professional purpose when it comes to coaching is I I just want to come alongside people and help them grow and accomplish easier and faster than they could on their own. As a result of that, or therefore, you know, I always say as a result, I'll be able to provide for my family and enjoy my family, grow as a person. Faith is strong to me. I want to continue to, to grow in that area. And then I want to be able to support my community. I want to be able to serve and to give in my community. So as a result of the first, hopefully those are the things I'm able to connect with as a result personally. Mm -hmm. So it's this professional purpose combination. One drives the other, you know, hopefully it's the professional drives the personal because the personal is more important, you know, it just goes to priorities. We have to work, right? The means to the end, right? But hopefully we, we keep it connected properly and we keep it balanced. So that's one thing about the how we do, not just what we do, but how we do is to stay connected to your purpose. And then I'm big about positive self-talk, positive affirmations, feeding yourself up here with the right stuff. So whatever that is, quotes that inspire you, a verse of scripture that that's meaningful to you, books that that motivate you and keep you clear up here, you got to feed yourself that stuff and you got to feed it first. The first, first thing every day has got to be you got to feed it. You got to feed your mind right and get your, get your mind, get your soul, get your heart right. First thing every day, because that's going to set the tone for everything else. So when it comes to this thinking piece, you got to manage it. You got to take time with it. Don't just rush into the tasks and the to-do list for the day, because you might get through it and you might, it might be a breeze. You might get through it, but the odds are long-term you, you burn out, you get stressed, you're so looking forward to the vacation, you can't stand it. Not that we don't look forward to vacations, but because you're stressed out, you're looking forward to it, right? Not because it's the reward that you feel like you've earned because you've worked hard and you've met that professional purpose. So now I can enjoy the personal purpose, right? Those are just a couple of things from a thinking perspective, but I'm big on the positive self-talk piece. I learned that a long time ago and it works. <laughs> Whatever feeds you, just feed, just feed the positive. Feed the positive and connect to your purpose. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on Lending Forward, Steve. We appreciate you. And I'll put in your information in the show notes so that people can get a hold of you. Well, thank thank you you again. I appreciate it. Loved it. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in Lending Forward. So go lend something forward today.